Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com. If you guys know me by now, you've listened long enough, you know I have my written content for DFS and other season-long fantasy products over at Rotoballer.com. And if you're still grinding along in the NFL streets, season-long playoffs, DFS for the NFL, don't wait any longer. Go to Rotoballer.com, get the NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass includes lineup tools, projections, and DFS cheat sheets for all formats. Get access to exclusive articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chat rooms. I do the weekly DFS cash game values, even the, and then this Saturday even, doing some uh, extra previews for the, the week's DFS slates. Come check all that out and join in on the winning and take... 50% off any premium pass, not just football. If you want basketball, baseball's coming up, all that good stuff. 50% off any premium pass. Use my my promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off. So you get 60% off a premium pass. It's that simple. So get in, get ready, finish the NFL season in a strong, strong way with rotoballer.com, NFL premium pass, already at 50% off now. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% off when you purchase. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 437. Got a returning guest to the show to talk about some uh, mid-round picks. We did this last year, and people really, really loved it. And I enjoy it because it's a topic of his that he talks about, you know, at uh, FPAS and other times because this is where the important things happen. We could all talk about the first few rounds, and yeah, is what it is. But uh, to get things going, you need to really get the meat potatoes of the middle of your draft. So without further ado... He is uh, one of the lead analysts, editors, whatever you, everything at Baseball HQ. He's one of the big editors of the Baseball Forecaster. He's just an all-around great guy. You can find him on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend? Bubba doing great. Uh, this was, yeah, probably my favorite pod to do last year because, I yeah, I'm, like, obsessed with the middle rounds. I I think that's where leagues are won, and I can go that's off true. on my my diatribe, but uh, but I'm looking forward to to dissecting each round here in the middle rounds, I think it's really important. Yeah, people loved this one last year. And I remember when we you, you, you said something at one point on show or something that like, dawned on me. So we did it last year. And I'm like, I hit you up like about a month ago. I said, okay, when do you want to do it again this year? Like, what date works? Because we're going to do the same thing. It worked out so well. And it's still good. It's a good exercise as we talk roster construction all the time. 
But before we go into it, um, plug everything that you guys are doing. You got a lot of stuff going on between the books. You got Florida coming up, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on at HQ right now. Uh, Content's going left and right, projections updated daily. So if you're an HQ subscriber, not only do you get the content, but the the projections and the tools. Um, Gearing up for first pitch Florida, unfortunately, I won't be able to go. It is um, about as far from... Oregon as could be possible and stay in the same country. So I can't make the trip this year, but it looks like it's going to be a great time. All the live labor drafts and auctions are going to be there. Um, We'll see about spring training games that is on the agenda, Uh, but then also some really good, good panels and whatnot. So, and yeah, Bubba, you were out at at first pitch, Arizona, finally got to meet you and take you to the airport um, this year. So you got a taste of what that's like. But yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Um, write for Baseball HQ to a speculator column every Wednesday. Just put one out this week on quantifying pitch mix changes from 2020 versus 21. So it was pretty, pretty interesting dive. And then you can also find on Twitter my, my semi-famous uh, bloom Semi. boards, which I, uh, I've been slacking a little bit this week, but I try and put out like three or four a week and, and, and put those out I- for anyone who follows me there. I was about to say, if you put out just like two or three a week, I think that's plenty. If people expect one every day, it's crazy because you write your article, which for someone that writes articles, you know, that takes up probably one evening at least, if not more, just to do that. So we can't be doing everything. Plus, you got kids and a wife. Like, you got stuff to do. So uh, it's, it's very, yeah, 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 real job. That's what some people forget. A lot of us have real jobs that <laughs> take up the time, too. But uh, yeah, so Ryan was kind enough to drive me to the airport at FPAS. I got to meet his dad and his brother, who are amazing people That's as right. well. I had breakfast with them. It's a, a cool group they got going over to the Bloomfield. That's right. So. And, you, and you still decided to have me back. So yeah, it was funny. We were I know we were talking like the last morning at breakfast and you were like, yeah, my flight's at, I don't know, 11 or whatever. I was like, yeah, we are too. Uh, you need a ride? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Exactly. Save me. A, save me an Uber. So it worked out very, very well. But um, maybe we'll do. I, well, we talked about it, and we'll talk probably more going up to it next time. But I think we need to change our uh, our schedule and play some golf with all that too. Because, but that's a that's another podcast for another day. But that's, people need to hear about our scheduling. But that'd be a lot of fun as well. We we do need a uh, invitational on yes. on on Thursday leading up to the. Uh, the welcome happy hour. and now that it's in november i can take more time off so i'm very excited about this so yeah, it's, yeah, it will totally. be happening um but as i stated we're gonna do the mid rounds breakdowns what i'm using and I, I made this list last night so if the adp changed a little bit maybe one more draft has taken place i know there's one taking place as we speak uh we're doing the 12 team nfbc online championships i picked the 12 teams because more people play actually in 10s and 12 team leagues so it kind of gives more of a feel for what's going on so we're gonna go through rounds 11 through 20 it's going to be a, an interesting group of, uh, of players. We'll kind of talk about maybe some players that stand out for the good, for the bad, people we're interested in, and kind of give you a way to, to roster build. We have a couple questions at the end that will kind of cover things as well. So without further ado, round 11, DJ LeMahieu, Dansby Swanson, Shane Baz, Jared Walsh, Camilo Duvall, Willie Adamas, one Nathan Eovaldi, Reese Hoskins, Chris Bassett, Kyle Schwarber, Trent Grisham, and Jake Cronenworth. A lot of players that I have lots of shares of in this section. So when you're looking at this round 11, Ryan, what stands out to you besides, you know, the best pitcher in baseball? Yes, besides the the should have been 2021 Cy Young winner in the AL, uh, Native Holly. He, uh, he no, won I, the Bloomboard Awards. We know that much. Yes, he did. He did win that. <laughs> if anyone, uh, for those of you that do follow me on Twitter, it was kind of nauseating how much uh, every time I would put a, a Bloomboard out there, 
uh, which is like, you know, just filters of certain skills and things that I think are important. If all they came up on like every single one, pitch mix, individual pitches, second half surges, all that stuff. So I kind of became the Valdi guy. Um, actually, I still like him in the yeah. 11th round of 12s and I've, I've picked him up a couple spots. But um, anyone who follows me knows knows that. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go in the non Evaldi division. I'm going to say Dan B. Swansea is some, someone who I'm really targeting here. I think it was Jeff Erickson the other day put out a tweet and it, it's always interesting this happens every year to a few guys. ADP goes down after like a really good season. Dansby Swanson's ADP in the main event last year was 105 and he went out last year and put like a $20 season together, 250 or 248 average, 27 homers, nine steals and his ADP has dropped to like the 120s which is, you know, 11th round in in 12 teamers and I think think that's a product of a couple of things maybe closers being pushed up uh pitching again being pushed up middle tier pitching being pushed up uh, anytime someone goes up someone else has to go down shortstop's pretty deep as well so i think that's why swanson's fading but um you're really locking in kind of a 20 dollar guy at an 11th round price in the 12th and a great lineup as someone who plays every single day is going to rack up plate appearances like that. That one stood out to me on the hitting side in this round where it's like, yeah, I'm snapping him up uh, wherever. Um, even if I already have a shortstop, I need to throw Swanson at, at middle infield. I'll, I'll be happy to do that. Yeah, I love Danzy Swanson. I, when Jeff sent that tweet out, I gave him like the shush gif. I said, stop talking about him because I like the fact he's falling so much. I had a lot of shares of him last year. Um, I talked with Toby this past week. He did our shortstop preview and this round's kind of where I want to make sure I leave with – if I don't have a shortstop yet, I want to leave with one. If not, like you said, middle infield, because between Dansby, who I think is amazing, the biggest thing for Dansby is can they put him at the top of the order? It's like he flourished when Acuna mm-hmm. went out, but we've seen before season before and everything that if Acuna's there, he's usually hitting like seventh, which kind of you know hurts a little bit, obviously, but it'd be simple. If Acuna's not running, hit Acuna third, put a Swanson and Albies one, two, and we'll, we'll have some fun. So we'll see. I'm not a manager, but that would be great for fantasy managers out there but the other shortstop is willie adamas who i'm also a big fan of and he's a guy that um i've kind of been pumped up for in recent years because a he's so young and he's one of those guys if you just look at his metrics his stack ass metrics his swinging skills his contact skills they just continually improved a little bit each year like he has kept improving it wasn't one of those like he spiked and then came back down and everything there's a constant growth that you could see with willie adamas took him out of tampa bay and he flourished in milwaukee um i think at worst, you could get something similar to last year. I think there's still more to come. He's only like 25 years old. Like, there's a lot to like about Willie Adamas. I don't know if we're ever going to get the speed. Like, the Swanson will definitely run a lot more, I think, than Willie Adamas. But power-wise, Adamas probably has Swanson in that regards. Uh, they're they're very good kind of um, like a 1A, 1B, if these are your guys towards the end situation. I prefer Swanson. I'm with you because you get that steals upside. But I think Willie Adamas in this range also, uh, both these guys kind of, after big seasons last year, I think, like you said, it's kind of a credit to the shortstop position, which is so deep, but also just like, you know, you got the closer runs and all these other things. And everyone, you know, people are getting smarter. They're, they're getting more aggressive towards outfielders and stuff like that just because you need to, the roster construction. So uh, those are two guys that I, I really like in this range. And there's a few others, but I don't mention all of them. But those are two that really stand out. Um, is Nate your pitcher here? Is there a different pitcher that stands out to you here? Uh, Nate's Nate's the pitcher. Um, actually, if, if really the other pitchers in this, which is kind of interesting. I think the the pocket of starters that I like are going a little bit earlier, maybe eighth mm-hmm. to tenth round in twelve teamers. Um, don't really like many of the pitchers in this. 
round. Uh, Doval, like you would know more about the the role than I would. Um, but but hey. Bassett's someone who I'm not on. Who I know a lot of a lot of smart people are on, and one of those guys who kind of outpitches his skills, or at least has to this date. But um, I'm definitely Evaldi's the one who stands out, and then taking either uh, Swanson or Adamas if uh, if I need to go hitter here. Yeah, um, Bassett's interesting because I love Bassett, and I, I I've always admitted like pitching's like if I prefer a side hitting, I'm much better at analyzing than pitching. That's that's for sure. And I learn I'm learning as I go. But there's experts. There's the Spores, the Pollocks, the even Chamber, like all these guys. You know, so I rely on them quite a bit. And um, I when they start pointing out, you know, he gets kind of quote unquote lucky on this pitches because his pitch mix changes makes me kind of look at things. And then I was talking to you before the show, like Roto Lab and any projection system. But when you see dollar values that stands out and like i've been like a basset guy but then i looked at dollar values and where he stands out based on projections i'm like oof that's uh that's interesting so uh, it's kind of made me reevaluate things that's kind of the, that's the, fun with the projections system. do not like basset um yeah. the big thing with basset and I, I i put this out on a bloom board a little while ago he's 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 had a so homer to fly ball rate is something that typically is out of a out of a pitcher's control it tends to um regress to league average as opposed to someone like keeping um, their their personal baseline homer to fly ball rate. Chris Bassett has had a homer to fly ball rate under 10% each of the last two years. Since 2016, only 3% of pitchers have been able to do that, uh, to hold yeah, that back-to-back yeah. years. So, um, and then the actual board was of that, that 3%, what was their homer to fly ball rate the next, the next year? 18%, 16%, 14%. Couple tens, but on average, it was just over twelve percent in that third year. So even if someone does it a couple times in a row, um, might just mean they got lucky a couple times. But then, like you were saying too, Bubba, like there is, there's, there he's a seam, seam shifted weight guy. Like there are, there are deeper looks to 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 take at Bassett, and and you can definitely make the case that that he could continue to outpitch those skills. I just, I'm more of the. Um, kind of the regression guy and and mm-hmm. i look at history and just history is not on bassett's side even among that kind of group that that uh that outpitches their peripherals so it, it, it'll be really interesting but i'm definitely kind of one of the one of the low men on on bassett this year and that's fine because we're, we're always going to be wrong on a few guys because i i think you guys are more right than i am on bassett it makes sense all the stuff you guys point to and you mentioned the kind of the different pockets of pitching they're they're bigger pockets it feels like this year with and they have a lot of question marks so if there's a little thing that kind of stands out move to the next guy like there's nothing wrong with that at mm-hmm. all so that makes sense uh, the one other guy i want to just briefly mention we don't have to talk a lot about it but reese hoskins sitting here in round 11 always has my attention so i'm just gonna throw that out there because people like to clown on reese but if you look at what he does perennially especially like on a per game basis sure he gets banged up from time to time but like last year was kind of a fluky deal and there's just been some weird injuries, but if he ever gets back to playing like 140 plus, the dude's going to crush the algorithm for first base. So enjoy that value as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, I like Hoskins at that. If you can't get that kind of top group of, of first baseman, Hoskins is definitely one you can quote unquote settle on here and and be just fine. One of the things we talk about a lot is getting similar type skills and similar type stats later in the draft. And Hoskins, you can make the case has, you know, Jose Abreu type, Pete Alonso type. Uh, skills going Matt, Matt Olson type skills going uh, going way later. There's a reason he's going later because some of the injury history and whatnot. But uh, but great lineup and great skills. Like yeah, makes sense to me. 
All right, round 12 coming up. You got Kimbrel, Framber Valdez, Austin Meadows, Josh Bell, Cabrian Hayes, Zach Gallon, Jared Kalinick, Luis Garcia, Ty France, Lance McCullers, Chris Taylor, and Joey Votto. To be honest, not a ton I like in this round, but uh, what stands out to you? Josh Bell sticks yeah. out. Um, and I know I just talked about Hoskins, but I would I would take Bell over 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 Hoskins, even though he's going around later. Um, not to cite a, a, a bloom board on every single guy I talk no, to. But, bring them all. They're awesome. Let but, go. but Bell is a, yeah, he is a rare breed of someone who does not strike out very often, so has a better than average strikeout rate, less than 22%, and hits the crap out of the ball. Um, barrels, barrel rate over uh, 10%. So there's not too many guys. There's only, it looks like, 12 guys uh, going outside the top 100 that has that combination and, and Bell is one of them. So um, I don't know, you know, the, the lineup in Washington, a little bit suspect, but he'll be right behind Juan Soto. Like that makes sense. And, and I, I just, I like the raw skills. You, you are kind of hoping that, and this is a thing in the middle rounds, like you do want to start speculating on the ceiling. And we did see what the ceiling was with Josh Bell and it's, it's pretty damn good. Um, there is a floor there like he has been inconsistent but he's at least shown he can uh, he can be a top flight producer in the majors. so I take that kind of that 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 skill that he flashed in the past along with what he did last year and uh, and that gets me interested yeah I'm 100% with you he's a he's a popular name I was honestly surprised he's still going this late Um, uh, again it could be because of different things getting pushed around like we talked about a shortstop because there's a lot of smart people that like Josh Bell this year for what they saw. And another thing that you, you, you're kind of hitting on there is people do make fun of the Nats lineup, which is very valid. But at the same time, the fact they want to pitch to Soto much, he should have Soto on base and other guys in front of him a lot. So mm-hmm. even if he's not hitting 30 home runs, if he's hitting 20 to 25, he should be able to drive in a ton of runs. So yeah, I think it's more like uh, with, with Washington's line. And it's, and it's interesting comparing that with what we just talked about with Swanson, like the Braves line. I think it's just more like Washington won't be able to turn over their lineup yeah. as much. So you might lose like a few plate appearances, uh, which does matter. But in yeah. terms of like Bell spotting the lineup, being behind Soto, it's, yeah, it's going to be pretty sweet for RBI. Yeah, and it's going to be kind of a cop-out here, but the only other guy I like really in this deal, uh, hitter-wise, is Joey Votto. So, like, we, we're, like, in the rounds of the first basements. If you missed on an early guy or if you want a good corner infielder, like we talked Hoskins, Bell, Votto, uh, I made the comparison that if you look at Votto, since now he's kind of sold out his, uh, for striking out a little more, got him the power. If you look at his stats, and the average might be a little lower. I actually broke it down the other day. But – um He's I, call, I called him the National League Jose Abreu now. There's a lot of similarities. Like, Bray's got the better average ceiling and everything, but there's a lot of similarities in the two. And if you look at projections, there's a lot of similarities in the projections as well. So Abreu's got the better the RBI upside as well, but you're also getting them 50, 60 picks later. So I, I like Joey Votto as well. Um, a guy I believe in that ballpark is going to continue to flourish. But uh, he's getting older, so there's always that risk, but he'd be the other guy for me. Just just took Votto in the uh, – I'm currently in a first pitcher in a speaker's draft and just took him 146 Beautiful. overall. So, yeah, and it, it's, a, it's a nice pocket. The other first baseman, I think he's just out of this range, but C.J. Crone's another yep. first baseman who I like a lot. Um, so it is kind of a nice – like if you don't if you don't snag one of those uh, early first basemen, this is a nice place in the draft to uh, maybe take the the guy who drops out of like a Votto-Crone um, – Hoskins and uh and Bell here so 
Yeah, it's it's if you don't go for the Freeman, the Vlad, one of those early guys, and you get stolen bases or an ace or something, yep. it's a nice pocket to go to. Like some will even say, "Oh, this way you can get like Frank Schwindel or Brandon Belt." Yeah, I'd kind of go corner infield with those guys if you could. But uh, this is a good wheelhouse. Like I I know you do, you do different ways of planning your drafts, and you like to build from the back forward and, and kind of you know build out your kind of flow chart kind of deal of how you want to see the draft going. Um, I like to do at least go like, okay, I want to have at least one of these like. 10 guys or 12 guys like i want to make sure before this guy goes i have a position hit it's not so i'm not like as like regimented in mine but at least i have like a list of guys like let's check these boxes type mm-hmm. scenarios like for instance was adam to mondesi on your boxes oh oh i just took mondesi for the first time in my life in this first pitch arizona draft and it's crazy i don't uh I don't tweet that much about Mondesi, but like it's uh, it's like tweeting about politics or or or, or Manfred. Yeah. It just blows up. Uh, people who just applauding me, people who said uh, I don't know what I'm doing. It was oh, you're it was all a, in or it, all out. That's that's the crowd exactly. And I've ne- I've never been on the Mondesi train. This is a uh, a little bit to see kind of how I would build around it. Is it is nice to um, to have that stolen base cushion with Mondesi. At least on paper, right? That's the problem. Um, And that's actually been my biggest thing against him. I know we're kind of going a little bit off, but that's fine. A little bit, you know, if if the steals from Mondesi do not pan out, you built that into your roster construction and you're pretty much hosed at stolen bases if and perhaps when he gets hurt. But uh, for me, it was a fifth round pick. So... That's fell fell far enough to where I know, uh, and I know you're a big jazz guy, Bubba. Um, speed just falls off a cliff at that point, especially in the infield. Um, and so, actually, the decision was jazz or or Mondesi, and could have gone either way. But I, I think Mondesi's fine. Uh, people like hate this cop out, but I think he's a phenomenal DC pick because you have like two or three, maybe four third baseman there so if when the this the time he is gone you have another guy just maybe you're more aggressive at third base early or something i don't know i think he's also decent like 10 and 12 team leagues because the replacement value is going to be around uh, for for you like 15 team leagues like the main event i would be terrified well and just the price i mean montessi's been like a second round round guy i mean in in the in the second no way i'm I'm not doing that but in the fifth like i I can live with it if it doesn't pan out with it. With yeah, well, that's why I wanted to discuss it on the show here because, like you said, if I said anything on Twitter, it would have just turned into a, a <laughs> hailstorm. But like we could have at least the conversation there, like, "Hey, this is where you could make it work." Type scenario. Yeah. Well, he's really not a bad player, even if he plays like 120 games, he's going to be worth every fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. So, and then the, and then there's yeah. the whole concept of taking the time that he missed and baking in replacement, replacement value with yep. that. And yeah, yeah, smart people on both sides of it. So, yep, most definitely. Uh, any pitchers in round twelve that stand out to you? Like, are you are you buying into Craig Kimbrell? Uh, he was like my biggest fade on this one. I I I I think he's like the you know you remember Nick Anderson when he was being yep. you know picked and I know it was injury related with Anderson of why he busted, but like he was being drafted as a closer when he's not a closer, and that's the deal with Kimbrell right now. If you're taking Kimbrell, you are assuming not only that he's going to get traded, but he's going to get traded to a team that's going to make him a closer. And you're also assuming that that second half swoon uh, with Kimbrell will just go away as well. So uh, too many assumptions at that point, at this point in the draft, too much, too much risk. So Kimbrell is one I'm out. I'm out on one guy who I'm really in on in this round is Zach Gallen. Um, I know he's, he's pretty discounted because of the injury history. 
but the more I kind of listen to to smart folks and, and, and analyze pitchers, the more I, I subscribe to the theory that if someone finished the season healthy, they're healthy. Like they're just as, as good of a, um, a bet to stay healthy the following season than anyone else. And Gallon threw 80 second half innings last season. Uh, he's one of five pitchers with uh, he's got three pitches that have more than 16 percent swinging strike rate. Brent Strom, who's the pitching coach, uh, former pitching coach of Houston, uh, is now with Arizona and has a lot to work with uh, with Gallon in terms of raw ingredients. So I just think that combination of everything at the price in the uh, in the twelfth here is 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 awesome for Zach Gallon. So I'm all over Zach Gallon as opposed to like uh, um, Lance McCullers, who's going a few yeah. picks later, who could not pitch in the playoffs. Like again, it goes back to that. Um, that 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 theory that concept for me is how how did they finish out the season? What was the last that we saw from them? And uh, much more inspired, but by, by what we saw from Gallon than uh, uh, than McCullers. No, that's a good point. That's it's a t- it's a tough area because uh, Gallon's got the, the really really good stuff. The three pitches you mentioned. Uh, some people say, well, you know, he could have had surgery. Is he going to be Masiro Tanaka? Is that what he's going to be? Like, there's there's questions like that. But he threw 80 innings, like you said, with that injury. So that's got to be pretty promising. Uh, so I, I'm with you there. If you're going to pick a guy, he was going much higher last year. He's yeah. got that. He's got that ace upside. So there's legit goods there. And throwing 80 innings on Arizona, who had yeah. you know, if have had nothing to gain by really throwing Gallon, um, if there was really any shadow of a doubt that he was pitching hurt, like I would, I would at least hope Arizona would have shut him down because they're just playing out That's the string point. at that point. So. That's a very, very good point. Uh, round 13, we have Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Logan Gilbert, Ian Anderson, Ranger Suarez, Scott Barlow, Corey Knable, Tyler Stevenson, Akil Badu, Yoan Moncada, Kyber Ruiz, Labor Torres, and Sean Manaya. A little more to enjoy, I think, in this area, at least a lot of curious names in this area. So what hitters stood out to you? It's funny. Um, funny you say that. None of, really none of like the hitters stood out to me. No, I do, not, I do not like this um, this pocket here. Uh but Badu's the most interesting to me if he can. We we tagged an upside of Badu. Uh, I think it was upside of 25 homers, 25 steals. Yeah, you guys like him. In the forecaster. Um Brent Hershey made it made a, a pretty a pretty good case for Badu at at PitchCon. So I'm not going against uh my editor here, but um we'll see. It's it's a rule five background as someone who really struggles against lefties. Um that's the downside with him. The the upside is and this is another theory I subscribe to is playing good hitters on, on bad teams who are just going to throw them out there every day and run and not really 100%. care. And yep. uh, that he's got that in his favor. So Betty is probably the, the one who stands out to me the most. I, yeah, I, I'm interested to see maybe Guriel's another one who, who yeah. I'd be interested in here, uh, but interested to see who else hitter. Yeah, but do's a guy, especially if you feel like you need a little more stolen base upside, there's not yeah. a ton as you get deeper in this draft. So he kind of stands out as a, like I'm in a draft right now and I'm praying he gets back to me in six picks. That's how things are going. Like my other stats are great, but I'm a little, I got flag Guerrero and stuff. So stolen bases become interesting. So, uh, but do stands out in that regard. I love Lourdes Gurriel jr. I'm a sucker for him every single year. Um, hits for pretty good average, not like his brother, Yuli, but it's for a decent average. He's got 20 plus home run upside. He's going to count the counting stats will be there. Won't steal a ton of bags though, but he's on that great Toronto offense. Um, and if you just look at his metrics, the dude can crush the baseball. So um, I, I just I'm a sucker for Lourdes Gurriel. Is the best way I'll say it. I, I draft him a ton, and I, I love his upside. People they look at T. Oscar, they look at Bo, they look at Vladdy. 
you look like the player Raiders from last year. Guriel wasn't too far behind that group of players. Like he's very, very good. So he's a guy I don't mind getting this late, especially when you need five outfielders. You can kind of uh, throw him out there and enjoy him. But it's like him and Badu mainly for me in this range. I've heard arguments for all these guys, but I'm not in love with a bunch of them. Guriel's, yeah, Guriel, we did uh, forecaster, 30 homers, 300 batting average upside. And yeah, in that in that lineup is is massive. And uh, the second half growth that we saw from Guriel, both plate skill-wise and, yeah. and power-wise. Um, yeah, you, you should respect his flow, too. That was your COVID flow, what he's got yep. going on there. That was, I, I, I wrote an article on him <laughs> last year when I had uh, – had my COVID hair and yeah. pick, picked a good picture out for him. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I can't replicate that, and nor do I want to. <laughs> nor does your wife. That was, a, that was a one and done, unless we're in another two. Well, let's let's, pr- let's pray it was a one and done, Ryan. Let's just go there. <laughs> um, now, when it comes to the pitching side of this one, though, it's like you know you got some young guns. You have Ranger Suarez who shocked people. You have a couple closers potentially in here. Any of them stand out to you? I, and then there's Shamanaya who I just can't wrap my head around, but people love him so. Anybody here that stands out to you? Yeah, I'm going to make the case for Manaya. Um, okay, cool. He's one who, who did stand out to me. I, I had Manaya on a lot of teams last year, um, and if you look at even if you look at the splits, looks like he fell apart last season. Um, first half, second half at HQ, we've got him at a 3.13 ERA in the first half and a 4.85 in the second half. Like definitely burned us. Had some really bad starts against. I think two bad starts against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland of all teams, yeah, all teams, yeah. It's a money, it's a money matchup, and just couldn't, couldn't uh, take advantage. But the underlying metrics, first half, second half, I think we're 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 just fine. Our our HQ expected ERA went from 385 in the first half down to 357 in the second half. The velocity actually went up. So first half he was at 91.8, second half at at 92.6, and. I keep saying kind of the bad second half with Manaya, but really it was just a bad August. Um, he, he rebounded really well uh, after he was kind of written off by a lot of folks in, in that August. In, uh, in September, he had a 26% strikeout rate, 3% walk rate, and a 377 ERA 1.1 whip over five starts. Like he he really he 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 didn't finish on that bad of a note. It was just a brutal 990 ERA in in, in five August starts. So uh, for that reason, I I think people still have that uh, that that second half meltdown in mind. But I don't think it was as bad as as most think. So uh, Manaya is my pick. He's he's not a super upside guy at this point, right? It only throws in the lower 90s, but um, but I I think he's someone who can give you volume. Stay stay healthy and, and, and he'll be fine. I think he's one of those guys I just can't watch. And out here on the West coast, like A's in the Bay area here, the A's, it's A's of giants. And when Mania pitches, he's just, he's, he's like soft tossing it up there sometimes. I'm just like, Ugh. Ugh. but it, yeah, stats don't lie. So I just, it's one of those guys you just can't watch uh, make it work. Are you, um are you buying into this? Uh, Corey Knable is the guy in Philadelphia. Uh, no, he's got uh Knable's got, I think three IL stints and three saves in the last three years. So same number of IL stints and saves. That that's not a stat that you want to uh, nope. that you want to have. Um, I'm just not really sure he's the closer. Like he might look like the closer on paper, uh, just because he was the last one to sign a deal. I'm not so sure Philadelphia is done uh, making moves. So I, I think he's. I they, think they are Kimberlandian spot. Yep, exactly. Yeah. They are definitely or a or a Jansen or you know whatever. Um, 
or even uh, I don't know if they bring Ian Kennedy back. That was a that was a rough ending to that relationship. Yeah, very rough. A lot of home runs. Oh, a lot of home runs. Oh man, but, that was uh, tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not taking Knable here, and it's tough too. Like, and this is probably going to be a theme. Like, I don't really like a lot of the relievers in this range, and that's yeah. why the closers with jobs are getting pushed up. But yeah. um, it's you're you're behind the eight ball if you're taking some of these closers in this range because either they may seemingly have the job but they have skill warts and I don't think they're being able to hold the job or it's someone like a Ken Abel or a Kimber who we just talked about where the market's kind of assuming that they have a job and and I don't I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's very very tricky. Uh, round fourteen, Luis Severino, another guy, Blake Trinan, uh, uh, Adelise yeah. Garcia, Max Muncy, Clayton Kershaw, Matt Rosario, Eduardo Rodriguez, Luis Urias, Sonny Gray, Eddie Rosario, Brendan Rodgers, Mike Clevenger. I know one of our guys is in here. I'm gonna go. I, I actually like both the Rosario. I shouldn't say brothers. I guess they're probably not, but um, both Rosarios. Ahmed Rosario, first off, is one of my guys this year. Um, I just love the potential forecaster. We put an upside of 30 stolen bases on him, but not only just 30 stolen bases, uh, $30 season, which means we don't think he's a one trick pony. Like the batting average with Rosario is actually pretty good. He makes good contact. Uh, line drive rate is pretty good. Hit 282 last year, 287 in 2019. Um, he's got a bigger batting average floor than I think most, uh, most people think. And the big thing with Rosario, like he's always had the speed. It just never really translated into like great success on the base pass in the majors until last year, he was a perfect 13 for 13 playing in Cleveland. Like I think him and straw are just going to run wild near the top of that lineup. Um, and so you're kind of getting like a three and a half category contributor, maybe four, categories if you count like homers and ribbies as as two halves um he's not a zero in power so Ahmed Rosario I am I'm going all over uh the place to get him in uh in this in this pocket as well as Eddie who I think is is being discounted because he doesn't have a team um but now that we're pretty sure or at least I guess now that we know there is going to be an NLDH um I think Rosario is going to be one of those guys who signs pretty quick once uh once we open back up for business and then his ADP yeah. is gonna gonna shoot up. Yeah, people should love uh, getting Eddie Rosario there. But I'm with you on the med. I talked about him with Toby as one of my late round targets at shortstop. Yep. I'm a, I'm a big fan of what he can do because I think and, and Toby he's smart. He uh, he mentioned some things to maybe be slightly concerned about. But uh, I, I said there's still a lot to like. He's young. Uh, he's developing. I think there's more power, like you said, than they're really like he shown not a ton like i'm not stupid but you know 15s mm-hmm. in range i think for a medrosario yeah. which would be awesome to go with the steals like you mentioned that's where i think it'll come in handy because like similar to detroit what does cleveland have to lose like what like between straw a medrosario and as long as jose ramirez is still there like just let mm-hmm. these guys go it's very very simple so i'm with you there uh what pitchers stand out to you here uh, one who stands out that I that I don't like, and this kind of goes back to my theory on what we last saw from them is Kershaw. Um, yep. You know, I hate to say it, but like, yeah, he got he got he got Carlos Rodon. He didn't get the the qualifying offer from his team at the end of the year, which is what like fifteen million dollars, which is yeah. really nothing. Um, and it just it tells me that LA is really concerned about Kershaw health wise. And and again, to go back to that McCullers example. Um, the last we kind of heard or saw from Kershaw was he would not pitch in the playoffs 
with a forearm issue, structurally fine, but had a PRP injection. Like, yeah. even taking him this late is uh, is is really a risk. And and the problem with someone like like Kershaw, where there is a floor of like zero production, is replacement level starting pitching is just so bad. Anyone who tried to stream last year that uh, I, I do at least want some floor with some of these pitchers, which is kind of one of the main reasons with Manayu I just talked about. So Kershaw's one who I'm uh, kind of kind of avoiding everywhere. Just just need to see if he even signs in the spring and what he looks like, but um, staying away. Um, one guy here that I'm really surprised by his ADP, to be honest. Uh, I am I was all Team Erod last year. Uh, I'm all Team Erod again this year. I really don't understand why his ADP is right here. I, I, I don't. Is it because people are worried about wins with Detroit? Okay. But uh, he's going to get innings. He's going to get tons of strikeouts in that division. And he's got a better ballpark to pitch in. If you like, I know you've looked at it between your bloom boards, but anybody, and I wrote about it when he first got signed here. You look at any stat, XFIP, FIP, Sierra, whatever you believe in as your go to, he um, definitely did not get the fair shake on things if you want to break it mm-hmm. down that way. So, he has so many uh, positive on any X stat you want to look at. And it, it was proof. Like, you watched him. His left on base rate was way different than usual, which was a factor of a bad defense behind him. Um, and Detroit's isn't great, but it's better. It's better than Boston's. So I love Erod at this price point. Uh, and, and also at this price point, he can be a little worse than you'd expect and still be very, very good for you. So I think, honestly, he should be going around Nady Evaldi, to be truthful. But I might be biased in that regard. But uh, that's the guy I love in this range. If Erod can fall in my in my lap in round fourteen, I'll be very happy. Yep, yep. No, that you made a great case for him. Two two great pitches. The changeup is knockout, sixteen percent swing strike with a huge ground ball rate, and the the, the four seam is fifteen percent swing strike on the four seam is is quite the foundation to build on if you've got that kind of fastball. Um, to, to, to build around. So yeah, Erod's there. And, and honestly, like Detroit, I mean, they, they've got some firepower on offense. Um, They're going to be you know, sneakier than people expect. Does, but I, yeah, I think they'll be better than exactly. They'll be better than what most think. I don't know about the bullpen, but, but, yeah. uh, but that's not why we're really, that's not why we're targeting or fading these guys is because of what team they're on. There's so much noise and trying to chase wins. Um, Erod, out of any pitcher in this in this group, is the one who, yes, I could see being up there with like an Evaldi um, by the end of the season. Yeah, some people, and we don't have to go win, but like Luis Severino's a guy people are into. I'm still kind of like, he pitched, but he, did, he didn't pitch much towards the end of the year. So I'm kind of still curious on what the Yankees are going to do there. And then Clevenger... People love him, but I that's a that's a tricky one for me as well. Any any quick thoughts on those two guys? Uh no, I, I agree with what you yeah. just said on both of them. Tricky. Uh we just haven't seen we haven't seen Clevenger in so long. Um one guy who I who we didn't talk about who I actually really like is uh Luis Garcia. Okay. Um really nice arsenal, five pitches that get more than 10% swing strike, which is Evaldi-esque, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and and team-wise is is really good. So I, I, I'm over uh, all over Luis Garcia here as well. And I know the forecaster loves him, too. Um, round 15. Yeah, <laughs> round 15. Alex Verdugo, Nelson Cruz, David Bednar. Talk about relief pitchers inflation. Hunter Renfro, Gregory Soto, Michael Kopech, Avisil Garcia, Ryan McMahon, Justin Turner, Tanner Houck, Joey Gallo, Mitch Garver, uh, what stands out to you in round 15? This is like a broken record because uh, I'll say this every year, but Avisel Garcia, Mini yeah. Miggy, 
is yep. uh, I, I love the price here. I I think I think he's getting discounted for the move to Miami. Um, when I actually think it's like a decent move. I thought I thought Milwaukee uh, jerked around Garcia way too much last year. He was like their best hitter yep. in, in 2021 and was almost like a platoon guy. Um, despite that, in only 461 at-bats, Garcia hit 29 homers, eight steals, and hit 262. Like, I'm not sure what more you want out of somebody um, – than 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 what I just listed and and doesn't really have like the platoon splits uh, yeah. at least the last few years he's been pretty damn even against lefties and righties dating back all the way through 2018 so again I don't I don't know why Milwaukee um, platooned him so often I don't think Miami will so I actually think you know maybe the park isn't as good but I'd rather take the everyday playing time um, over over a better park and more of a platoon role so. Um, Avisel Garcia, I, I I love at this price. Yeah, he's he's a great price here. Like you mentioned, the power, even the speed, the sneaky speed with Avi's nice hits for good average. We'll play in the middle of that lineup every day. Um, and there's a lot to like. He's going to drive Jazz Chisholm in a hundred times, so that's always good. Um, <laughs> it's a it's it's a good place to be. So can't I'll, can't drive him in if Jazz steals home. That's all. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, Avi. Avi's a fun one, and at least at least this year he's kind of getting respect because years past he's been like around twenty something. It's yeah, like, come on, guys! But um, another guy here, and it's kind of ironic. Um, he's going to take Avi's spot, but Hunter Renfro is interesting to me. Just be- if he- again he could get the Avi treatment because somehow they still love Lorenzo Kane. But um, if Renfro can could play every day like he did in Boston, that was nice. And then the other quick guy I'll mention because regular listeners of the show know this by now. I'm infatuated with Ryan McMahon, and it might be false, but um, I really like what I'm seeing from him. And for once, there are zero question marks about playing time. So uh, I'm a big fan of what McMahon can do this year. Yep. Uh, Ron Chandler made a really good case for McMahon at at PitchCon when we did our uh, little forecaster upside projection. So, um, And you're right. like They really can't not play McMahon. I know we kind of say that every year, but there is like nothing behind him depth-wise. In Colorado. So I like that. Uh, Renfro. I, I, yeah, I like the skills. I just, I, I think he's going to get the Avi treatment um, yeah. with Milwaukee, just from what we saw last year. And he, he does have more kind of pronounced platoon splits. So I'm not as high on Renfro. Um, but if you're playing like a daily league or you, you, yeah. or you, uh, you, you kind of look at schedules and you can move some guys around and they've got like a, a you know, a, a platoon friendly kind of four game stretch. You can use them in spots, but in like pure weekly leagues, um, I, I think you're just going to have too many like four game weeks with Renfro. Are you one of the people that are in the camp of this is an insane value for Michael Kopech? Are you still kind of hesitant on Michael Kopech? Uh, I'd be lying if I if I told you uh, either way, because I don't think we know. Um, I mean, if I had to lean one way or the other uh, you know, on my little cheat sheet here, I have capital in my notes, of capital R-O-L-E question mark. Um, I just, I don't know. Uh, so there's, there's a couple things with Kopech, like, yes, what is the role? Um, obviously if he's even, if he's a high leverage reliever, he'll help you in deeper leagues, but in tens and twelves, you don't want that. He could go to the rotation, then questions in the rotation. Will the stuff hold up? Will the velocity hold up? And then how long will it hold up? So like, there's just a lot of questions. Um, obviously the prospect pedigree, is there the, the the stuff is there like the, the dude is nasty um if you want to take a shot if you're in a 10 or 12 
and you want to go ceiling, like, yeah, you could argue, you could argue Kopech has the highest ceiling of any pitcher that we've talked about. Um, the chance of him getting to that ceiling, I'd probably say like 10, 15%, but it could hit. Yeah. No, and that's the hard part because he's so nasty, but I'm with you. I, like I've, I haven't drafted him anywhere because I just can't wrap my head around him actually playing enough to like the role. That's the biggest thing. That's a great, that's all. That's the only note you need role. Yes. I'm with oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see, like we'll see in the spring. Yeah. That, that's the, and I know not to get lockouty, but just no news yeah. on it. So like, it's just so hard to, uh, to tell. Like I, I feel like this, this ADP for Kopech is a, is a hedge. Like it's either really going to yeah. shoot up with, with spring training reports, or they're going to un- announce that he's staying in the bullpen and, He's well, not going to close. They've got Hendricks. So, well, that's what's been so hard. Besides, just you know, we have no news, so ADPs aren't changing. There's so many things that aren't changing, like they usually do this time of year, because we're just kind of speculating, and which is what you do every week. But um, it's like, is the next Ronald Acuna video? Does that move him up more? Like, that's all we have right now. So it's really tricky to to see where things want to go. I did a board earlier this week on like, uh, and I do it every year, but just ADP movement from December to January, and it was it was pretty lame, man. It was like. The biggest mover was like 10 spots. Like, yeah. Because usually uh, we have like three or four guys that like take massive leaps because they right. X, Y, or Z happens and it's just not happening right now. Um, any other pitchers in round 15 before we move on to 16? Uh, the other one who I'm, I'm interested, actually similar kind of thing to Kopech is Tanner Houck. Yeah. Um, I think he's you. got a, a lot better chance than Kopech of being in the rotation. Like I, I think I think Boston will start him. Um, and if they do, uh, you still have the question of what I just said with Kopech is how will the, how will the stuff hold up over the long haul? But even Hawk was making like four inning appearances last year, they build him up a little bit more. He's someone who has a, a pretty sizable ceiling. And if it doesn't work out, uh, you're in the 15th round and you're not cutting, you know, if you cut him, you're not losing too much. So Hawk's another guy who I would, uh, who I would look at. I had him in a lot of 15 team leagues towards the end of last year, a lot, because even those mm-hmm. four inning rolls were pretty good from him. So yep. I pray. And even if he stays him. that way, like he could still march with some wins if he doesn't start and goes four innings, goes the middle of the game, or, or if they stretch him out to five, that's all he needs. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Uh, round 16, you got Seiya Suzuki, who don't have a home yet. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, Taylor Rogers, Tariq Skubal, Dylan Carlson, Robbie Grossman, Matt Chapman, Jose Urquidy, Joe Barlow, Colton Wong, Andrew Benintendi, Adley Rushman. Any bats for you in round 16? Yeah, I'll go Ben and Fendi here. Um, he's kind of a polarizing guy, um, but but did a did a board on him. And I think the power, um, it was a similar kind of board to what I talked about with Josh Bell with the um with with barrels. He was one of Ben and was one of the unluckier um when you compare the barrel rate the raw skill with the homer to fly ball rate, the actual results. Um, he was one of the few who had a really, really high above average barrel rate, but had a below average homer to fly. And typically those two things are very well correlated, obviously hitting the ball hard, hitting it at the right trajectory with a barrel. Um, typically that ends up as a home run and they just didn't fall that way for Ben Intendi last year. So I think there's quite a bit of um, power potential with Ben Intendi. Kansas City's going to play him every day. Uh, we saw that. They don't really care who they're throwing out there to go back to what we were uh, talking about with Mondesi. Um, the only thing I'm a little worried about with Benintendi is the second half stolen bases. He was one for four in the second half. Um, so he kind of didn't run anymore and only stole one base. So that that is one thing. Like I'm not just going to blindly ignore that. 
Um, so you're kind of making a leap of faith that the stolen bases are going to come back, but everything else in the profile um, looks really good to me. I think he could be more of like a 25 homer guy with a good average um, when he hit to 17 last year, but we'll see on the, we'll see on the bags. He was stinky good last year. I don't think people realize mm-hmm. how good he was. Not, and a lot of it's probably because of the lack of what people speculate power wise, but just um, he was one of those guys. If you, if you're one that checks out like uh, X stats, barrel rates, just like from like week to week, couple week samples, whatever. He always stood out as a guy that's crushing it or hitting well and just kind of the, the short end of the stick. So I'm with you on Ben and He's kind of sneaky and he might be one of those guys, you know, I got out of the big spotlight of Boston and now I can kind of chill. So it, it, we might actually see that pedigree uh, come mm-hmm. to life. And we kind of saw it with Robbie Grossman last year. And part of me, it's like, okay, we saw just ridiculousness last year, such a, a leap. And it's like, do I, do I have the leap of faith to jump on again? At this price, I'm intrigued. Again, it's similar to the Badu thing. If I want steals, uh, I'm kind of in. I don't expect the power speed. Like, I, I expect regression out of both, but, uh, but I also still think it'll be decent enough. Plus, I think it was The Athletic that just came out with an article about he talked about how he changed his swing and had a new coach and everything. And that's why he was better this last year. We'll see. But uh, in round 16, at least, I'm intrigued by like a Grossman or a Ben Dintendi here for sure. There are not too many guys, and I know 2020 short season, but we've got Grossman down as a $20 player in each of the last two seasons. Yeah. You don't find that pretty good very often at this stage in the draft. Like, yes, there are warts. He's older, and like, I mean, like you just said, but um, yeah, guy coming off a 2020 season and is going to play again every day. 557 at bats last year with Detroit. He's going to yeah, play. Gave, they gave him a multi-year deal for a reason. So it's not yep. like they're going to – they could have given him like a one-year deal or we're going to trade you deal, but they gave him multi-year. So it kind of stood out to me a bit too. And um, one of the things you can do too, like – and one of the things I like to kind of look at is pairs of players. So you could pair a Grossman who, you know, has some of that batting average deficiency with like a Gene Segura or yeah, a – um, Brantley, somebody like that. Take that kind of combination of those two players, see what you come out with, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Definitely. Um, and then I'll just two seconds snippet. Colton Wong's always underappreciated in my I've book. I've got him too. Yep. Always underappreciated in my book. I, I I fought with Toby on him last year, and Toby's on this my side finally. Um, he's sneaky good. So he needs health to break the right way a little bit, but yes, um, lead off in Milwaukee and he runs like yeah. There's a lot to sneaky like. Sneaky power, sneaky power too. Yep, so, and a yeah, good part. So, yep. Any pitchers in this range? Uh, pitchers fade that I had is Joe Barlow. Um, just did not like the skills. Like a 150 bab of 86% left on base. He's not closer material. Um, I have studied Tariq Skubal way more than <laughs> I conundrum, should man. He's a conundrum. I don't know what to do with him. No. I do not know what to do with yep. him. He's, he's someone who has pedigree. Yep. who pitched really well uh, last year, kind of in the middle mm-hmm. of last year, switched up his pitch fix during the season and threw his worst pitches more often yep. at the end of the year. Like it, it's just, There's just so many variables with Tariq Skubal that I don't know what to do. Um, I could see him taking off. I could see him yep. being another you know, 4.3 ERA guy. And the more I look at him, the more confused I get. Uh, I know that's that's not what the people came here to see, but I I do not have an answer for what to do with Tariq Skubal. No, he's a guy that if your roster construction, Vic, you're really safe with. A, like if you want pocket aces or something, I'm willing to take a kind of chance on Tariq Skubal. 
in, in that kind of scenario. But if you kind of waited on pitching and you're kind of going with kind of mid-tier globs or something, it's a little tougher. Because um, I'm with you. Like, you can see a ceiling. The strikeouts are there. It's just mm-hmm. uh, you could also see the, the blow-ups that we saw when he made that pitch mix change that I always say if we can figure it out from our couch, what are they doing? Like, right. where are, what are they missing here? But right. I don't know. I, so, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know what went into that decision. And he could, yeah, just just as easily go back to what worked and we're all good. But um, yeah, like second half swinging strike rate. It was great in the first 13% yeah. went down to like 10% in the second half. Just, Baffling. Yeah, I don't know. Round 17, Hungjin Ryu, Trey Mancini, Patrick Sandoval, Disclafani, Stroman, Soler, Ozuna, Hap, Wayno, Rizzo, Sanchez, Joe Ryan. First off, Rizzo's picked 200, which I never thought I'd ever see in a long time, but I get it. I get it. But you mentioned when we first started, like there's a group of like pitchers you like before this. I think we're kind of getting to a new group again now. Now it gets a little more interesting. The potential starting pitchers for like your maybe fifth, sixth starters, fourth, fifth starters. At least there's like discussions you can start making at this point of the draft, I think. So what stands out to you here in round 17? The biggest thing that stands out is is Stroman Sandoval. Um, mm-hmm. Really like, I mean, and taking a larger, and you were kind of hinting at this, Bubba, with like where you like your pitchers taking a larger view, like this is where I want to really target and round out the end of my rotation with these two guys. Um, Marcus Stroman, we, we just get the assumption that he's just this ground ball guy and will not give you that very many strikeouts. Um, had a career high swinging strike rate last year. Going back to my Zach Gallon example of having three pitches at a 16% swinging strike, uh, Stroman was another one of those only six guys in the majors that has that. So I think there's more strikeout potential um than most people realize with marcus stroman the volumes there the era is going to be there the whip maybe not like that's the double-edged sword of a ground ball rate you're going to have more of those kind of seeing eye singles but um but stroman someone who i'm on i know it's chicago like yeah the cubs are going to be pretty shaky next year um but he's someone i'm on and then patrick sandoval i know there's some health health risks he had some back issues last season um, so you're kind of taking that leap of faith that uh, that everything's going to work out there. Um, but in the forecaster, again, right over my shoulder, upside of a 320 ERA and 180 Ks. Like the changeup, Sandoval's changeup is one of the best pitches in baseball, if not like a top five pitch of any pitcher in baseball. And he used it. He threw it actually more than any other pitch um, last season. So through 30% of the time threw it more than his fastball. So he knows what works. And uh, we saw glimpses of, of a potential ace with Patrick Sandoval. So um, all over Sandoval and Stroman here. Yeah, Sandoval had like that 30 whiff game on his changeup or something like that. Yeah. Nick, that. Nick Pollock made a t-shirt about it. It was so like amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on Sandoval. He's great. I love and Stroman. came up with the, the, the Irish Panda yes. nickname, which is yeah, it's awesome. Which is just fantastic. That's, that's, that's peak Pollock. Yeah, peak Pollock. Um, I love Stroman. I'm with you. Like that's a guy I had everywhere last year. And I kept saying, and he, you, you nailed it. There's so much more strikeout upside there that people don't give him credit for. And he, he did it last year. I get it if you look at certain stats, but he was good, and he, he proved it last year. And the thing that's interesting with Stroman, it's one thing is people hate it when I say it, but there's more than just what's on your laptop. Like you have to like if you watch a game or you yeah. play the game, or like there's things like he's got a chip on his shoulder, a gigantic chip on his shoulder, and that you that you can't quantify that sometimes, and maybe it's bad analysis, but there's something like when you watch him out there, he he works hard. He bulldogs that. And in doing so, you see him on Twitter all the time talking about pitches and this and that. He's worked on a fourth pitch this offseason. So 
yep. it's gonna be fun. He retweeted me earlier this year too. So and that's what he's good at. That. He's really good. If you give out he's, good, no, he, okay. he's really interactive. Like he's he's yeah. yeah, just aside from the like fantasy analysis, he's very open on how he approaches pitching and how, yep. how he approaches the game. It's he's a really good follow. Now, if you say something bad though, he will block you immediately. Adds <laughs> up on that. I've I've seen not he hasn't blocked me, but I've seen other people that are actually pretty nice people and they put like a bad stat out there, they gone. Um good to know. I'll uh yeah. Keep that no, no bad bloom boards with that, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only other guy I'll I'll mention real quick here. I'm intrigued, especially because of the price tag on Hung Jin Ryu, especially when you hear about what he went through last year. There's a lot to be said about that with his family. I think another year under his belt, plus there's a humidor in Toronto. Um, I forgive me for who tweeted it out, but they it was a couple days ago that the Giants ballpark was like roughly like 23rd or something in baseball. Toronto 26th. So just keep that in mind. A, that shows just how good the Jays hitters are. But um, it's a good bump to the pitchers, too. So um, Ryu's a, a sneaky guy that used to be a lot higher up there, and I think we might see a nice bounce back, especially this price point. Go yeah, right. Yep. Uh, totally echo that, and I was going to call that out, too, before we move to the next round. Uh, Ryu just came up on uh, board this week for the second highest increase in fastball velocity from the first half to the second half of any pitcher in baseball. Um, and the strikeout minus walk rate went up as well. You mentioned the kind of personal stuff that that he was dealing with last year. Um, and Rayu's already throwing. He's already KBO. overseas. He's, yep, he's working yep. out with his old KBO team. He means business this year. Like I, I, I think I think he he's a great a rebound target. Yep. Yeah. But see, yeah, I, I love it. He's so he's with his family over there, so he's happy. He's yep. still training. Like everything sounds good to me. So and he, and he gets to bring his family back with him. So that's another plus. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a lot to like there. Um, any hitters? This like this is the pitcher round for me. This much. is this is absolutely the pitcher. Or yeah, this is absolutely the pitcher round. A lot a lot of smart folks like Trey Mancini. Um, so we talked about and, and I, I get it too. Um, we talked about the kind of the first base pocket earlier in the pod. Mancini, someone who you could target um, here. But yeah, outside of that, I'm not too thrilled with with the hitters. I think this is this is where you want to go and. And fill out that end of that rotation. Round 18, you got Josh Donaldson, Alex Wood, Eduardo Escobar, Garrett Whitlock, Jake McGee, Dylan Floro, Jordan Montgomery, Guriel, Lucas Sims, Conforto, Suarez, Alex Kirilov. Got a handful of closers here, but most importantly, and HQ loves him. I love him. Ageist hate him. Josh Donaldson is underpriced in this draft. Yeah. Yeah. ADP. Yeah. ADP at this stage is uh, you're just, you're, you're betting on health. Um, I mean, that's been the case. Everything else with Donaldson is, is, is all good. So um, kind of hoping he just DHs and, and mashes and, and protects himself um, on the field. So uh, Donaldson's a great buy. Another third baseman that I, that I really like is Eugenio Suarez as a rebound. Um Again, one of those guys who has shown it in the major league level, right? 34 homers in 2018, 49 homers in 2019. And actually, one of one of the funnier moments at, at a first pitch Arizona panel, I think you were there, Bubba, was when we were at the at the park and I was moderating yeah. um, an NFBC thing with with Rob Silver and Clay and Justin Mason. And everyone kind of was crapping on Eugenio Suarez for just how bad he was last year and and how, uh, you know, he was an easy drop. We were talking about, that was it. We were talking about, like, when do you drop your bad players? Yep. And and everyone was talking about how, yeah, how bad he was. And then all of a sudden, like, at the end of the, 
at the end of the session, Toby, he's like, I mean, he's pretty quiet, yeah. like in, in, you know, in, in a big group. And he just kind of raised his hand at the end and he goes like, well, actually, if you look at uh, Eugenio yeah. Suarez's September hit, he hit 355. Yeah. Toby's got his phone out, pulling up fan graphs on his phone to let you know why everybody else is wrong. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh. Yeah. That's why I love recording with him, man. He digs into this stuff. And, like, and he brought him up as a, as a bounce back guy like a week ago. He's, he's with you on Suarez. He's a... Uh, he went deep on on what there is, and one thing I pointed to is they've stopped messing around with the shortstop experiment. Let him go back to play third base. Like, like, come on, people! Like, there's as, familiarity. There's a Luis Castillo stand last year. Like, it yeah. was brutal. It's brutal. So, yeah, I don't mind him because again, there's the the point in the draft. Where, okay, where were you drafting him in the past? Now you're getting him here. You, like, he could legit hit 40 plus home runs. Mm-hmm in round 18 like we would not be shocked now it goes back to your statement about some players earlier maybe go and get like a, a better batting average asset somewhere else in your draft but um there's a lot Suarez could do in that little ballpark so yep. absolutely for sure uh round 19 uh chris oh wait we got some more pitchers in round 18 anybody um alex wood for me not not to not to, not to blow smoke uh but but alex alex wood is is a giant that i that i like and and you take what we saw last year from the 383 ra but it's really the combination one two of the major stats that i look at for for pitchers is can they can they keep it on the ground and can they uh induce whiffs can they can they miss bats 13 percent swing strike for alex wood 51 percent ground ball rate and a 334 Expected ERA at HQ um, and pitch 140 innings. Like he's been a pretty fragile guy the last few years, and uh, and 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 kind of put shush those aside last year. So Alex Wood, someone who who I really like, and then you just you on top of what we saw from last year, you take the uh, the San Francisco kind of org philosophy bump, which I do think is a thing. Um, he's someone I would go after here. Yep, don't mind Wood and the other guy is uh, Montgomery. I'm willing to keep buying into some Jomo. I uh, like the strikeout upside. We saw that 16.8K to walk, uh, which is not horrible. He's been better in the past, but 16 is not bad. And uh, the ratios were intact. And the biggest thing for me is he threw 157 innings last year. So mm-hmm. uh, he's got that upside there in the Bronx with the Yankees. He's not a, a bad one if you need to fill out your rotation. And and two two pitches, one of a, a select few. I don't have the number in front of me, but but two pitches, yeah, with a twenty percent swinging strike rate that change up, which he throws twenty four percent of the time, and a curveball, which he also throws about a quarter of the time. The the, the fastball isn't great. Trouble. Like that's that's why that's why he's down here. But um, if he can just kind of tweak that approach with 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 the fastball, everything else is is set up for Montgomery to break out. So I like that call a lot. All righty, round 19, Christian Vasquez, Gene Segura, the aforementioned, Oscar Yanoa, Tristan McKenzie, Ramon Laureano, Bobby Dahlback, A.J. Pollock, Ken Giles, Lou Trevino, Stephen Matz, Brandon Crawford, Travis Dearnod. We're starting to get into some murky water now. I, I there's, know, good, there's good options. There's good there's options. Good op- I like I like this yeah. pocket. So I like, I like Gene Segura. Um, I just mentioned him as someone who just – gets like no love um but is gonna play every day in a good lineup hit for hit for batting average like i think of him as a um as kind of a poor man's dj lemayhew who's going he was like the 11th he he was in the 11th round so you you listed him off at the top of the pod so uh segura is someone i really like uh loriano i know the suspension um but he's someone who 
one of the very few who could give you five category uh, goodness um, starting in May. AJ Pollock is another great one. I, the skills with Pollock, he's he has been he has been one of LA's best hitters. Yes. Um, that you know the health is the health is a thing. That's why he's going this late. But AJ Pollock is absolutely a, a hitter who uh, who I love. And then we'll we'll talk about the the pitchers maybe next. But those are three bats who I who I really like. One guy who I have no idea what to do with. Who, you know, is Brandon Crawford. I don't know what we do with what we saw last year, but um, another intriguing shortstop option this late. I love all those guys you mentioned. Segura's um, one I've mentioned. It's almost like the cheap Colton Wong type vibe where he's got multi-position eligibility, plays in a good lineup, hits for really good average for what's like. He's a great batting average asset down here with a little power speed still. So I'm with you on uh, Segura. Loriano, I'm with you. I wonder if people are just looking too much at the suspension or kind of the injury down injured season because like you said, five categories at this point in the draft is hard to find. Very hard to find. So if you're only missing a month or something, that's that's not too shabby. So he, he's yep. an interesting one to me. Yep. And then, um, yeah, I have a lot of Pollock shares already. A lot of AJ Pollock shares. He's another one like you know Donaldson and guys like Bacon that IL stent or two. It's just the way things go. But for the 120 to 30 games he hopefully plays, like that's out. If he plays more, you're in the money. But he is still produced for what you're getting for sure. And the, and yeah, yeah, and the other thing with Pollock, it's more of like a binary. Like he's either hurt or not. Like he he doesn't True. he didn't really platoon that much with LA. So like when when he's healthy, like you can put him in there and not really worry about it. Which uh, yeah. I'd rather have the guy if you're gonna play like 140 games. I'm ra- I'd rather have the guy who's gonna be out for a month. True. And play six or seven times a week than the guy who's playing four times. No, that's, that's very, very true. Very, very true. You don't have to worry about the platoons and all that good stuff. So I'm with you there. And I don't know what to tell you about Brandon Crawford. I really don't. Okay. I know he made I know he made the swing changes. They're legit. Yeah. I don't expect a repeat of last year. I expect him to still be good. He's always been good, but not to that level. That was pretty bonkers. Um, what pitchers do stand out to you here? Um, the big one that I that I really like is, and I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but uh, Huascar, Huascar Enoa. Like that was, that was bad, bad, but not bad, not bad. um, I'll just, I'll just go with, you know, I had him in the forecaster. I gave him an up sub three fifty ERA. He's got everything you need in a pitcher. So again, I'll go back to this. He missed a ton of bats last year. He racked up strikeouts. He kept the ball on the ground and he did all that with improved control. Um, And there's another kind of thing here. And I believe it was Rob Silver who mentioned this. Uh, previously, but he's got a changeup that is really good and just didn't use it that much last season. Um, so I think if, if, if with a pitch mix change, um, Manoa, yeah, uh, Enoa is, uh, is someone who I'm going to be all over at this point in the draft. If he did not punch a wall last year, yeah, he'd be going, he'd be going a lot higher in this draft. So yes. I'm with you there. Cause we didn't see him in the postseason. We didn't see him for like a couple months in the season. But when he was pitching, he was one of the most expensive fab acquisitions at one point in time. Uh, he was he was awesome. So he's very, very good. I, I agree with you there. He could be one of those guys just kind of sinking uh, because of what we didn't see to end last season more than anything. Um, round 20, the final countdown here. Jonathan Scope, O'Neill Cruz, who hasn't really done much, but here we are. John Means, Harrison Bader, Alex Cobb, Enrique Hernandez, um, Brandon Belt, Lane Thomas, Trevor Bauer, Joe Adele, Nikki Lopez, John Gray. There are some interesting ones here. If you want to mention another Giants pitcher, you're more than welcome to. 
Uh, I will not mention Cobb, but but I do like him actually. I, I, I I'll, I'll give you the floor uh, with with Mr. Yeah, Cobb. There's smarter people that love him, and I, I'll echo basically what they all say. Like I, it makes sense. One one guy that sticks out, and this is not something I really ever do, um, is take someone who has like never played in the majors, and <laughs> that's O'Neill Cruz. Um, and I'm kind of just leaning on the projections here, but the projections just love O'Neill Cruz. So in, in my little sheet here, I aggregate four uh, different projection systems, um, HQs, Razzballs, BadX, and ATC. And um, over 600 plate appearances, O'Neill Cruz is a 2020 player and they're projecting a 260 batting average. Like you're not going to find that um, this late in the draft. So he is someone who, again, I wouldn't normally do this, but he Cruz is going late enough to where like, yeah, I would absolutely take a shot and 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 go with him. So he'd be my he'd be my hitter. There's not really like it's it's funny. A lot of it's league format dependent too. Like since this we're gearing this more towards ten and twelve teamers, like Jonathan Scope is someone who I would absolutely not take in that type of format. But in in a deep league, an AL only league, I had Scope last year in Tout Wars AL, where there's just no replacement level. Someone who like him who who plays every day is really important, but in a 10 and 12 with the limited upside scope isn't, isn't someone I'm looking at. So it's, it's a, I think it's a pretty rough group for hitters, but Cruz would be the one who I would, uh, who I would go with. I don't mind the Cruz call. I've like Mason and company have sold me on him uh, many times. I just, I, I hate drafting prospects. I just, I'm so bad. I, it burns me more than it doesn't, but I agree with the projections. Uh, I'm going to go to bat for Jonathan scope for you. He wasn't the guy I was going to talk about, but I'm going to try to talk to you on this one. Um, if you take out the sm- the short in 2020, he has five straight seasons of at least 21 home runs, which is pretty darn consistent. If you're looking for late power, uh, he's hit basically 256 or higher in all but one season since 2015. So he's going to get you a decent average, good pop, you know, 60 to 70 runs, 60 to 70 RBIs for free. And he's got multi-position eligibility, first base, second base. So I like him quite a bit. The big piece to that is the second base part of it too. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty huge. And then you can obviously do corner and middle with that. So, yeah, I mean, 623, like, so yeah, you mentioned the home runs, 22 home runs over 623 at-bats. Like, isn't isn't that great? But it is 22 home runs. Yeah, That's all I care about in the end. It is 22 home runs. And 84 RBI. Yeah. Um, but the other two I'll give quick hits to. Um, Enrique Hernandez, I just keep buying into him because Boston keeps hitting him towards the top of the order, and he's going to get you close to 20 or, or over 20 homers and could score a ton of runs in that offense. So, And he's got the multi-position eligibility as well. So he intrigues me. And then one guy I keep buying back into, and we're going to see if it burns me or not. I'm not Say taking it. him in every draft, but I have him in a lot of drafts. And I am buying, like you bought projections. This guy's got projections too, but I'm taking prospect pedigree and Joe Adele. I'm... Um, I'm still looking at like everyone loves someone else. Uh, no, everybody loves Jared Kalinick, not Brandon Belt. No, uh, everybody loves Jared Kalinick. And it's like, okay, he's, he's great. But Joe Adele was in that conversation last year too. Like he was right there and we're, we're kind of forgetting about him because he was hurt, didn't produce great in the pros, but you know, he's, he's always hitting the minors. He's hit for decent power projections. All have him for like 20 plus home runs. Uh, the average is a little bit of a concern, but if you put him in there with trout, and um and company uh, Otani and Rendon maybe and, and uh, Walsh, it's a good offense. So at this point in the draft, I'm willing to buy in as one of my last outfielders or, or whatnot. It could backfire, and the beauty is where you're where you're paying for him now. If you got to drop him, you can drop him. 
it's not the end of the world. So he's a guy I think that could, you know, this time next year could be a whole different conversation. Similar, like I think Kalenic's the same kind of deal, but um, I, Joe Adele's a guy I'm buying into quite a bit. He is one of those like nice kind of binary decisions. You're either going to cut him or, or you're really going to like what you got. And in the 20th round, like you can live with that. Yeah. How many, how many consensus top five overall prospects that are just 23 years old yeah. <laughs> are going this late in drafts in the, you know, recent history. I, yeah, I don't know, but not many. It would be my yeah. guess. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to believe that all the prospect people out there knew something and he's still developing. Let's just go with that for now. But uh, <laughs> that's what we're going to hope for. The, the guy who I thought you were going to say, cause you were talking about like, I, I, I want I'm going to keep buying back in. And this was, was John Gray. Like I, I, I can't quit. I can't quit the man had a velocity increase last year, has the secondary pitches to get it done. No longer in Coors. I know he kind of had like the reverse split kind of thing going on, but um, I, I, I'm maybe I'm just a sucker for him, but I, I, I'm back in on John Gray. Texas is a, is, is a pretty good park to pitch in these yep. days and, and yeah, much better than Coors. So um, I, I thought you were going to mention him the first time. That's why I didn't think you were onto him all of a sudden, <laughs> but uh, yeah, John Gray, Another one of the guys when you're going through ADP that when he was signed, I would expect him to have gone a lot higher in drafts. Yep, the, agreed. Like the, hype, the hype for him, and then every time you're drafted, and it's like, wow, he's still on the board. Hmm, interesting. I did not expect to see him sitting here, but because uh, I'm with you in Texas, besides the ballpark, which is sneaky good for pitchers, John Gray is very good. Like you said, I wouldn't worry about the splits as much as people are. Yep. Maybe I'm naive to that, but. Um, they have a way of working with pitchers. We saw Jordan Lyles. We've seen Kyle Gibson. Like these aren't elite pitchers, but in round twenties, so you're talking almost pick two forty right now. They can make a two forty pitcher, like an ADP of two forty, turn into a fantasy relevant pitcher for you. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's where you got to kind of think of things. Is he going to be an ace for your team? Probably not. Could you never know? Like he's got good stuff, I, but he could end up being your three or four, and you're going to get him as your six or seven. So that's pretty good to me. Um, it's the whole perceived value of, of drafting. Um, before we go into some listener questions, do you have any other uh, thoughts on just like the mid rounds, how things have been going in drafts for you right now? Like any, like we're going to, we got some questions on like stab potential targets and stuff, but anything that's been standing out to you so far this draft season? Um, the, I mean, just the one thing I'll say just to kind of put a bow on it is um it's funny. Like, so you look back like this, this is really where I think you need to, you need to invest most of your draft resources and not only don't just do it. And we've hinted at this a couple of times throughout the pod. Like when we're talking about specific players, don't just, so yes, go through and highlight, you know, listen, listen to pods, do your own research, um, read articles and that sort of thing and identify the guys you like in these rounds. But on top of that, when you're done with that, take a, take that higher level, look, which positions and which stats, are you highlighting the most in this group and you should be building your first few round strategy off of that. So just an example, we talked about the first base uh, pocket at at the beginning of the pod. Um, If you really like some of those, those Crohn's Vados and that sort of thing, maybe go away from your Alonzo, your Olsen and target someone at a different, we haven't really talked about many like, uh, third baseman at all um, in this, uh, you know, in these rounds. So maybe target a third baseman who you might, you know, maybe tied with, with, with a, with an Olsen or an Alonzo earlier in the draft, but because you know, you can get a first baseman you like later on um, take the third baseman early on. It's that like, that's an example of just building, building from the middle 
and and having that dictate your your draft strategy up front is I think hopefully the the big takeaway even more so than just like the names of guys who yeah. we like or don't like. Um, I think if you do that and you can build a draft plan based on the types of guys that you like in this in this pocket, um, that's the way to to put that puzzle together and and make it all flow. So that's, that's great advice, Dan. That's exactly why we kind of talk about this. That's why you and I and others do a bunch of. You know, NFC 50s or DC 150s or so just so you get the idea of the player pool and where things fall because mm-hmm. you get kind of comfort zone might not be the right word but you kind of feel comfortable on where you can take certain situations like positions stats uh, all that kind of stuff like we talked about you know like pitchers a little earlier and like pitchers a little before you know around 11 but then we like some around like 16 17 so mm-hmm. that lets you know you can kind of that means before round like eight and nine, you need to go grab that third baseman or something, get your pitchers here, come get your first baseman. Just kind of like map your draft out kind of like not nothing's perfect. Cause there's a lot of smart people out there. that are going to take your players. That's how things go. Well, but yep. it gives you an idea of, of where you're going and where you need to get to. Um, I kind of hinted at it. I didn't want to like resource it every time, but it's just cause it's the new toy in my head between Roto lab, but you can do it with anything. Like Toby uses his model on Tanner Bell's, um, whatever, and, and Ryan already mentioned his conglomerate of four projection sites, um, get the dollar values. And I think it's very interesting. They see Rotolab just does it nice and neatly for me, but you can do it anywhere. And it has all the positions and the dollars right there. And it'll highlight how many good players are each position and how many aren't. Mm-hmm. So you can really, and it keeps you in line with like, okay, now I need to kind of focus my attention somewhere else. Even though ADP might not say it, I need to make sure I leave with one of these kind of guys type thing. Yeah. So a lot of things it's not simple as you know highlighting a name and doing that and that you need to game plan uh and, and kind of go that route so there's a lot of interesting ways to go about it and the one thing i also will say is didn't talk about a lot of stolen base guys here so that's why stolen base right. was so early on <laughs> so Correct. early on and and uh, didn't talk a lot really any closures that we like no and that's why they're yeah. i mean it, like you said, it's a smart, it's, a, this is a smart industry. Like yeah. guys are getting pushed up for the right reasons. Um, yeah. Like people are clowning on early saves, but if you're sitting in a draft, you'll, un- you'll under why you'll, you'll understand real quick why they I, are. I was one of those. And then I did my first draft and I was like, Ooh, I yeah, have that, Dylan that, Floro and Gregory Soto. And oh. see like in a redraft format, I'm not as worried about that because yeah. the saves always become around it's a pain in the butt to fab form. That's a problem. But you can make do there. It's those DCs and stuff that's just like, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> so, hundred percent, really does that. get ugly quickly. So, so yeah, that's. Uh, I think yeah, what we just talked about is that this last five minutes is probably I think the biggest takeaway of the pod. So good. We save until the end, so you have to suffer through the whole <laughs> yes, yes, and then get exactly. to that. <laughs> um, Will Garofalo's got a couple questions for us here. Um, as you get into those eleven through twenty rounds. How do you balance the decision between filling team needs versus getting your targets? You just kind of hit on that, sort of. Um, do you take player A that you like less than player B because he fills a need? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did kind of hit on, and the and the the answer that doesn't exactly answer the question is what we just talked about is try to put yourself in a position where you don't need to do that. Um, but if you're in this spot, I think, and and kind of the easy cop out answer is is league dependent. I think if you're in like a draft and hold where you cannot make in season moves, I really do think you need to focus on your team and target and patch holes as best you can in the middle rounds. But if you are in a league that allows for trading, um, that has fab pickups, especially trading, just go for the values and and yeah. and go for the guys who you like and and trade out of it later or, or fab out of it later. 
Um, so I think it kind of depends on, on, on what league you're, you're talking about um, and how I would do it. But yeah, like right now I'm, I'm such in draft and hold mode yeah. that I am trying to kind of keep balance as balanced as possible in the middle rounds. Um, easier said than done, but I, I, league dependence, my answer on that one. No, and it's, it is definitely two different, like two different approaches to redraft and the, the draft and holds. I was doing tons of draft and holds. I'm trying to do a couple like cheaper redrafts right now. Cause I want to start doing OCs here in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to like train my brain to think differently. Mm-hmm. And it, cause it is different. Like you said, the one thing I'd suggest to will or anybody else, if you can find the cheaply, cause you can do mocks if you want, but people give up halfway through and it kind of ruins the strategy. Um, do a draft that makes you feel uncomfortable by going for team needs over who you like and then see how the build looks and see if that makes sense in the end. Because if you do the team needs thing, there will be moments in your draft where you take picks. You're just like, this sucks. But when you make the whole thing come together, it's interesting. That's what I'm trying to do right now is to see how it kind of fluctuates how things go. So that'd be my one suggestion is try that if you can. And then, then you'll kind of have a better feel for what you need to do or what you like to do or what your strengths are. So check that out. Um, the other question he has, uh, favorite players in rounds ten, uh, rounds 11 through 20 to jump to a top 10 come March? Do you have anybody that stands out that will be a top 10 round pick? Obviously, someone in round 11 would be an easy call, but uh, Nadia Valdi probably stands out to you. Uh, anybody else? Top 10 come March. I'm assuming top 10 rounds come March. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got to be one of the guys. I, I would go – I would go – and I kind of mentioned this earlier, I would go Kopech or Hauk. It's, it, it, it's someone who it's gotta be someone who like we're wait, or any of the closures we just talked about. It's yeah. gotta be someone who we're just waiting on news for. And when that news hits, they're going to go way up or way down. So it's going to be like, if, if LA does not make a move and Blake Trinan is the guy like that dude is a yeah. fifth round pick. Um, yeah. And and so probably probably the closers, but then also the, the the two starters or potential starters that we just aren't sure on the role. I, other than that, I don't see like. I mean, we can talk about how much we love Ahmed Rosario so much. I don't yeah. I don't think we move markets like that. Like I don't I don't I think the ADP is settled enough to where guys where you're not really waiting on injury news or role news. I don't think you're going to really move that much. The only other guy I think could possibly take a jump if, like, we start getting different reports, uh, say a Suzuki, we see where he mm. signs. Because some people, like, I don't, not a big international guy, but you know, like Tim McLeod's of the world and some other guys that are good at that, he's like a massive offensive talent. So some people will believe in that. And if he goes and say he does go to Boston, like the rumors say, or he goes to a certain place, that could jump him. He might get close. Uh, that I think most of it's people are kind of worried right now. So he could be a guy too. Yeah. Um, well, biggest fade. There's a lot of those. So if you listen back to the show, there's a lot of fades we have for you. There. So do you have like one big one that stands out? Because there's a bunch of them. Yeah, I mean, we 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 hit on a bunch of them. Yeah, Probably my biggest, around. <laughs> my, my biggest fade of any. Uh, who did I crap on the most? Um, I don't know. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Canable. I just don't think he's going to close in Philly. So I think you're just wasting it. 13th round pick enable or uh or kimbrel the, the kimbrel one's one i kind of live with as well um say you need speed your favorite options in these rounds or do you really try not to have a huge speed need we kind of said get speed early but <laughs> i think ramon laureano kind of stood out as a dude get speed early but yeah i think there's enough guys and the problem is like you you have to get them all and like you were saying yeah. bubba like 
you, you can target four different guys in four different rounds and not get any of them. Um, but Loriano, someone who we talked about, Ahmed Rosario, I'd absolutely build around um, to try and patch together some some steals. We talked about Ben Intendi. Um, again, kind of slowed down in the second half, but has the age and the pedigree to, to rebound a little bit there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's brutal. If you're, if you're behind in speed, like, and this is another thing and, you know, league specific, but if you're in a standalone league and I wouldn't go into a draft punting steals, but if you don't have the speed you need after, uh, you know, after five or six rounds, just lean into it and punt it. Um, otherwise you're just trying to, trying to reach for guys that, and you get too many of them that are just deficient in other categories and and you end up doing more harm than good. Yeah. Um, I had Zach Waxman on and he talked about if you, someone asked if you wanted to play like even in a DC, but in a redraft, it's probably even better. And you just wanted to punt a position just to win your league. You didn't care about the overall. Just wanted to win your league. He did the comparison on what you need to score in the other, instead of going with like the you know, 75 to 80%, if you want to be like 85 to 90%, you'd be surprised how little the jumps are in certain categories. So if you focus somewhere else and said, screw it, I'm not. So I'm kind of, um, if I'm not wanting to take saves early in a standalone league, I don't think forcing your hand in saves throughout like the mid round is a concern of mine. Let's put it that way. It makes it interesting. It's funny. Yeah, I've got, it's that's interesting. Yeah, because I've got labor mixed coming up in uh, i think it's the 22nd of february which is a standalone league and which is a trading league and uh i don't need to go i don't need to get a closer i don't need to get like i could build a pretty pretty good hitting core of non-stolen base guys and just target four category hitters i can't i can't do both i don't think but you gotta pick one or the other but it's it's ideas like that that are starting i'm trying to just like you said trying to shift a little bit from that draft and hold mindset to uh uh to standalone and trading leagues and it's a it's a different game it's a different game yeah, yeah the standalone league i'm in right now we've gone through 12 rounds i have three starting pitchers nine hitters zero closers hmm. and my offense is projected to be very very good I so uh would imagine we'll, so we'll see how that works that's just kind of just trying to i'm, I'm playing with strategies here so we'll yeah. we'll see how it works but we'll wrap it up there my friend uh before we take off Go ahead and once again mention all the, the HQ goodies and whatnot. Yeah. Um, baseball HQ, First Pitch Florida. If you're if you're down in the southeast and want to hit it up, March 4th through 7th in uh, St. Pete. Find me on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Look up my bloom boards. I'll, I, I, I will put one up on Friday just because I have been slacking this week only too. So uh, I'll, I'll keep those going. I've got enough in the hopper, I think, to get us through uh, at least mid-March. So. Um, <laughs> so we'll, 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 yeah, the, the repository is, is full. I got a lot of ideas. So, uh, follow me there and, um, and yeah, Bubba really appreciate you having me on. This was, this was a blast, man. Yeah. Always appreciate having you on. Always appreciate the HQ guys and the content of, uh, I talked about them recently. I really uh, appreciate what you guys do over there. It's uh, it's good stuff and it hits on it, it, even the easy stuff for dumb brains like mine. So it's, uh, I really enjoy the, the content that's over there. Um, one last question just snuck in. James Javriglio asks, who do you think closes in Philly over Knable? Well, if you listen back, I'll, I'll answer this for him, so you don't have to worry about it. We think they might bring someone else in still. <laughs> my, yeah, my guess my guess today is the leader in saves on in Philly is not currently on the team. Um, yeah. There, I mean, Alvarado, Jose Alvarado's 
there. Uh, he's, he's, he fan. is one who is in the bullpen right now, who is a legitimate threat to Knable. And um, again, I think just the market is assuming because he signed the contract that he is the closer and, and we don't know that. So it could easily be Alvarado um, could be a mix, could be someone who is not even on the team. So perfect. So perfect. hard to tell right now. Yeah, it definitely is. No news. Spring training helping. Please, quick. Saturday, be good. Um, all right. We will uh, wrap it up right there, Mr. Bloomfield. I appreciate you. Everybody, again, check him out on Twitter at RyanBHQ, and we'll catch you guys next time. a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.